Welcome back to Single Minded, where we are flipping the script on being single. I am your host, Hannah First. And I'm your co-host, Linda. (laughs) So, Hannah, just checking on what has happened with you this week, because I have been in possession of your damn phone for two (laughs) days in a row, turned off, of course, because I can't deal with all the alerts you get. So I thought you might want to share, why have you given up your phone? So there's actually, I think, three reasons. The first reason is I'm reading a book at the moment. Mm. So it's called How to Break Up with Your Phone by Catherine Price. So Mm. I started listening to that. The sort of the second reason is that if my phone is in my house, I automatically, when I get bored, I go and find it. And then I sit on Instagram or Daily Mail or just whatever crap. I do on there. Sometimes you don't have to be bored because you may be upstairs with me just on your phone when we're meant to be talking. Yeah. I did put it in my car at one point, but I just, I don't know, I've given it to you now. So it's about sitting in the boredom. So I've been reading books, Mm. which is nice. I've been sitting out on my balcony reading. I've almost read a whole book in 24 hours. That's the second reason. But the third reason was I re-downloaded dating apps. In the past, I've been pretty disengaged with dating apps. I don't really take it seriously. I have in the past been pretty flaky and I decided this time, I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a proper go. You know, even if I'm tired, I'm still going to turn up on the date. Even if I can't be bothered, I'm going to write back in a timely manner. Give it a red hot go. Yeah, give it a bit more of a red hot go, if for nothing else, for the content. (sighs) And what I've realized is that the the flakiness, I've actually learned quite a big life lesson, I think. The flakiness is is rampant and it is making me feel really bad about myself. Mm. And you know, because I called you and I was like, I don't understand what's going on. Like I'll talk to a guy for four days, voice memoing on Bumble, and then he won't respond to the last message. Blanks out. Like completely. I, I don't get it either. That's not even the worst of it. So it's actually taught me a life lesson, which I am never going to do that. I I really don't want to do that to someone again. It's unbelievable. Okay. I understand if the conversation kind of peters out and I get that. Like I get that you don't respond to everyone and it can be really overwhelming because there's so many people. What I don't understand is making plans with someone rescheduling and then just cancelling altogether. And then disappearing. And then disappearing. Mm. It's like I was really high vibing and now this trash energy is affecting (laughs) my mood. And then it affects my mood because I don't like you low vibing. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's honestly, it's trashy energy and I can't have that trash in my life. So apart from giving me your phone, have you deleted the apps? No, I paused it. Look, to be honest with you, remember I wrote that article about that date I went on that made me like a month's wage on Medium? Yes. They asked me to write a follow-up sequel to that article, the publication that I submitted it to. And I used this experience as the basis for that story. And so, look, I do. So it's worth get, something. It's, it's worth, worth dollars. If it's, nothing it's else, actually, it's actually worth good money. So <laughs> good dollars. I, I will. It's like um, Taylor Swift has made the most yes. money from her yes. sad breakup oh, songs. I honestly, 
I don't want to go into it too much right now because mum and I have a live show mm. coming up. The episode's going to be released next week, but we're actually doing the live show the day that this episode comes out. We're going to talk about flaking in that episode. We really need to change. We all need to change. And so I'm going to go No on a more flaking. No more flaking. And I'm going to talk about that on that episode. So we will get to flaking, but... Uh, how are you feeling about the live show, more importantly? I have had one nightmare, which was that <laughs> we had not discussed it. We weren't prepared and suddenly I was there and I kept trying to find my notes that I knew i written and I was going over and over and they just didn't appear. And so that's just one little nightmare I've had. Hopefully I'll be all right. I think you'll be okay. Well, mm. I actually don't know. You might freeze up and I'll have to do all the talking. If I freeze, okay. you can talk for both of us and that's, okay. you know, very easy for you. <laughs> On today's episode, this guest was a suggestion from you, Linda. You sent me a screenshot of a story. I did. And a lovely friend who'd been for dinner sent me the screenshot and then I sent it to you. So thank you for the suggestion. And it is Sam Wilson, and she's the creative sober mate. So we will get into the episode now. So today I am welcoming Sam Wilson to the podcast. Hi, Sam. So nice to meet you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on board. I'm so excited for this chat. You obviously are sober and you have an Instagram account called Sobermates, which is a great resource for people exploring sobriety. And the reason I thought this topic was really important was because a follower sent me a message saying, hey, Hannah, like, what do you do when you get really nervous on dates? And I said, oh, I'm going to put this out to the single-minded community and see what they say. And yeah. overwhelmingly, a lot of them said drink. Yeah. So drink before dates, have a shot of something, have a shot of tequila, have a wine while you're getting ready. Like I reckon 80% of the messages were have a drink and I haven't drunk this whole year and so that's not really a possibility and I don't want to drink on dates. I feel like it's nicer having sober dates. So I thought you were the perfect person to come and chat about being sober and sober dating. Yeah, well, I've absolutely flipped sides because that was me. I was yeah. drinking before every first date and, yeah, now I've, I've given up booze. So, yeah, that's not an option for me anymore. So I've had to come up with other ways. Yeah, so I would love to start before we get into some dating tips from you. Tell me a little bit about your story and about why you decided to stop drinking. Yeah, definitely. So I'm based in Geelong. I'm 27 years old and I gave up drinking a bit over a year ago now. So I was probably what you call a, and it's what I like to call pre-sober Sam, um, a heavy social drinker. I was never one to say no to the booze. Definitely was that girl that was always pushing to have shots and take the night too far. And I was in a consistent cycle of binge drinking and, and partying a little too hard. And I couldn't figure out a way out. I, for probably 18 months, I toyed with the idea of giving up booze, but I just didn't think you could still be like this social people loving person and go out if you weren't mm. drinking. And it got to the point where my rock bottom moment and my moment where I was like, this is it enough was one of my best mates hens parties. And I'd organized the whole thing. And I was like, sweet, I'm not going to start drinking till four o'clock. And then you know, as you do, you try and play catch up and that has never worked for anyone um, mm. that I know. And yeah, I tried to play catch up, ended up being an absolute mess. I know I was super annoying. I was 
calling up people just doing random stuff i'd end up calling up my ex mm. dragged him Ooh. home on his yep. 30th oh. so you know not, not making the best decision then i woke up the next day feeling very sorry for myself and i was like i'm done i need a break so i gave myself three months and i said i'm gonna use this time to really understand how alcohol has been affecting my mental health and my relationship with people and, um, mm. you know, how I socialise in general. So I purchased all the books on sobriety and read them all and jumping on listening to podcasts and things like that. And I got six weeks in and I was waking up so happy and so mm. content with my life. I was just thinking, why wouldn't I want to do this every day? Like, yeah. So, yeah, I decided to give up booze forever and here I am a year and a bit later and, yeah, happiest I've ever been. I did the same in January. I think I um, yeah. I think I met someone New Year's Eve and I was like, this is going to be such a fun night and I'm going to have a New Year's kiss and blah, blah, blah. And then I woke up the next day and I was like, that was not fun. I don't have fun doing this anymore. And yeah. I was like, I'll do three months just to see how it feels. I agree with you. Like I'm feeling so good every day. I wake up so energetic, yeah. so much energy. Yeah. Yeah. It's- oh, I love hearing that. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well done. And you said that you decided to give up forever. Like, is that how yeah. you feel now? Like it's, this is a forever thing? Yeah. So it is how I feel. I read a quote somewhere with someone was like, oh, we stopped drinking forever. And they're like, well, I'm definitely not going to drink tomorrow. And I've sort of stolen that quote and I've <laughs> taken that on. It's just that I don't think alcohol can give me anything that I don't already have. Mm. I have a very full and happy life and I find natural highs of, you know, deep connections with people and swimming and and yoga and taking time for myself and I just, I can't figure out what alcohol could give me that I don't already have. So I'm thinking why would I want to put that back into my life when it gave me such a toxic past. And what was dating like when you were drinking? So it was Dating was really fun. I, I, I love dating. I love meeting people. I, I really okay. do. But when I was drinking, you know, you get those first date nerves and I would use alcohol to numb those feelings. Mm. And, yeah, I would, I would have a shot of whiskey while I was doing my hair and makeup, like, you know, what they'd said on, you know, your Instagram, like yep. your fans saying that. Like I was that person and I just wanted to make it a bit easier. So I'd, I'd numb those feelings for the first day while I was getting ready and then – you know, whatever date it would be on, we'd usually end up at a bar. And yep. whether the date's going well or not, booze was the answer. If it's going bad, well, I'm like, oh, I'll drink up and have a good night. And then the date gets better, but it's not better. It's but just- it's not because, like, you're not building a real connection with someone. Yeah. You're not really taking in what they're saying or anything or getting to know, like, who they are at their core. And if the date's going really well, then I'm like, well, I don't want this night to win, so let's go to another bar. Let's go to another bar. And then mm. you've had too many and you wake up the next day and you're like, was it really that good? Mm. Like, did we actually have a really good time? Did we really connect? And then, you know, if it did end up being something, well, then your first date you don't really remember and that's that's sad. Like, mm. you know, if it's the, the person you're going to end up with forever, like I want to know every single moment of that first date to, you know, tell everyone later on. So you decided, okay, three months. You mentioned some books and some podcasts. What sort of resources did you use? Yeah, so one of my favourite resources was This Naked Mind by Annie Grace. I've read that. It's really and good. Really good book. I yeah. really wish I'd written it and I could have that brain <laughs> just to help people. <gasps> but that was the main book. It's 
what got me through the first month and it's got me to where I am right now is, you know, I recommend it to everyone to read when you're ready to take a break from alcohol, of course. Mm. But she goes through all the different reasons we drink, whether it's to fit in or to be more confident or to take more risks or, you know, whatever that may be. And then she goes through and shows, hey, that's not right. Like you really shouldn't need, like even when you go to a party, like the party doesn't really start till everyone's had a couple of drinks. Mm. And then what she related it to was, you know, when you get a group of kids together that have never met and they're all a bit awkward for the first half an hour. And then, you know, another half an hour later, they're all running around playing games together and everything's fine. And I think that we need to remind ourselves is that when we feel nervous doing something new, that's our like biologically chemicals telling us, Mm. hey, you know, this isn't safe. This is something new. We're just going to be a little bit cautious. Mm. And that's so fine. I think that if we're going to feel nervous for a date, one, our body's being cautious and two, we we want to make a good impression. So obviously we're going to feel nervous and sit in that like, I love the adrenaline rush of going on a first date and, and it's a mm. thrill now for me. Like it's, yeah, it's a bit of a high, like going, you know, I'm doing something new and this is fun. Mm. I really loved in the book how like I already kind of knew because I sleep really badly and I think one yeah. of the reasons I don't like drinking anymore is like my sleep is not great, but it's so much better. And she goes into a lot of detail about how badly alcohol affects your sleep even though you think it's the opposite at the time it's not oh my nana still tells me that she has a nightcap and that's okay because it helps her get to sleep and I've tried (gasps) and I'm just like nah she's 80 it's fine let her her go but yeah no absolutely does not help with sleep it doesn't help the sleep cycle I should say at all yeah yeah what were some of the biggest challenges do you think when you stopped drinking? Yes, it was a really funny time because I gave up drinking four weeks before we went into lockdown. So Ah, it was really interesting. Yeah, good move, right? Like I I planned that so well. (laughs) So well. Yeah, yeah. So it was really, because I was a social drinker, it was quite lucky in the sense that I didn't have that peer pressure anymore because we were were all stuck Mm. at home. But in isolation, I went through a breakup. And it was my first breakup where I didn't have the girls coming around bringing wine and making a mess and we hate men type of night and just mm. banging out everyone. That didn't happen. And, you know, I had to sit with those really shitty feelings and go through that without numbing them at all. And it was a real challenge. So I was so set on on taking a break from alcohol that, you know, I didn't turn to it. I'm really glad I didn't. I used the placebo of drinking alcohol-free wine instead, mm-hmm. which was really good and really helped me. But it was, I'd never learned how to sit with my feelings. And it's it's a really weird thing to say out loud. And I, I mm. you know, I sometimes feel a little embarrassed saying it, but like I, I didn't know how to sit and feel sad and how to, okay, I'm feeling sad. What's the next step? How do I make myself better? Do I need to connect with people? Do I need a journal? Do I need some time on my own? So it was just relearning how to look after myself mentally again without, you know, using a substance to numb it. Yeah. You know, and then once we we started going out and being more social and, yeah, as I said, I'm a very social person. I really – I still enjoy going to bars and I still enjoy all those social occasions. It was my support network, my friends and family were 100% supportive of my decision, but 
once you start socializing with people outside your circle and that have had a few drinks you know people don't get it and you've got to tell your story and that doesn't make sense telling a story to a drunk because they don't get it and Mm. you know I had mates doing shots and they were trying to get me to push another person to do a shot so not necessarily mm. me but to tell this other person I was like hey I run soap mates probably not a good image for me to be <laughs> pushing someone to do shots and they were like oh like the old Sam would have and I was like oh that hurt yeah but what they don't realize is the old Sam wouldn't have wanted to get out of bed on a Sunday morning that was mm. too scared to check my social media and who I text last night and you know who was laying next to me in bed like Mm. You know, I get told that I wasn't like that bad of a drunk, but it wasn't so much the night of drinking, it was the aftermath of drinking. It was the mm. anxiety that followed on. It was the bad eating. It was, yeah, not wanting to talk to people and, or know what I've said or may have done. Mm. Did you find that you um, started picking up because I guess your whole weekend is wide open once you stop yeah. drinking? I've really noticed that I have like a shitload of time on the weekends, which is super so nice. Much time. Did yeah. you pick up some new hobbies? Yeah, I've picked up so many hobbies. I think <laughs> the one thing I'm really enjoying at the moment is discovering what my natural highs are and what brings me that endorphin rush and I started swimming with a good friend of mine in July last year I started ocean swimming and it was just to get like that cold rush feel and then it got to September and we're like all right we've been floating around the ocean for a bit we should probably start doing something so we started swimming and then another friend joined and we became the water babies and it, like on Friday, oh. one of our friend's wives come down and brings us oh. coffee. So yeah, I swim a few times a week. I end up doing Peter Pub, which is a open ocean water swim yep. that has been on my bucket list since I moved to Geelong eight years ago. Never got mm. around to doing it because I've never done anything consistently yeah. um, until I quit drinking. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've started oh. ocean swimming. I'm really consistent with my yoga practice now and more recently, I've started doing ice baths on a Saturday morning. Oh, my um, God, I want to come. That sounds amazing. It is Where do you do it? So, much so I do it down at Eastern Beach in Geelong, 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning. So if wow. anyone wants to join, um, DM me. I'll send you the link to book. Yes. But it is so much fun. We do breath work. We do a meditation. And then <gasps> we support each other. Oh, um, I love Jumping these. in the ice bath. And, like, there's so many hugs. Like, I'm the biggest <laughs> hugger. I literally have a a tattoo with two people hugging on my leg um oh. so like you know on a Saturday morning like you do this meditation you watch the sunrise and then you hug strangers and it's the most beautiful community I'm gonna I'll dm you because I'll come to that one morning I'd love yes. to yeah the other thing that I've come to the acceptance with I actually follow Jill Stark and she says that like she she just doesn't stay out past a certain time now yeah and that's something I've started doing I'm like why am I trying to stay out till three in the morning like have a dance Stay out till midnight and then go home. Go home and get like eight hours of sleep and not feel guilty. <laughs> Can we normalize going home? Like, oh my I- god! Please, <laughs> I like. It's actually funny. About two days ago, um, if you go check out So Mates on Instagram, we literally wrote a post about you will hit a wall. Yeah, and you do when you're sober. You will hit that wall and nothing will be fun anymore. And that's okay. It just means it's time for you to go home. You've had, you know, your connections with others. You've had a bit of a boogie or you've eaten some good food and the people you're with may be getting to another level and you're not going to hit that level sober. And that's so fine. And just totally go home. It's so fine to go home. I think we need to normalize ghosting people when we're out. Like I'll message one girl. I'm like, yep, home safe. Had to (sighs) ghost you guys because 
there's no way you can have a conversation with drunks about going yeah. home. Like, oh, you know, like stay for a bit longer, mm. but you don't need to. It's so fun. Yeah. When you said have a boogie, something that I love, like I now love sober dancing, but a lot of people I think find that weird or they like breaking yeah. the wall down. And there's actually yeah. a good tip for anyone listening that wants to dance, wants to practice dancing to do it like at a party is, have you ever done No Lights, No Lycra? No, I know. Oh, I've, okay. I've heard of this. Yeah. So when you in, dance in the dark, right? In the pitch black dark. Yes. So no one can see you. The music's great. It's a real eclectic mix of music. You dance for an hour and then you go home. Me and my sister yeah. do it on a Wednesday in Brunswick. It takes probably 20 minutes to really relax. And then because yeah. you're in the dark, you can go wild. Dance. Okay, that's so you'll yeah. come down to the ice baths. I'm and you'll come, come and to NLNL. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. That is so fun. I think. Yeah, I think there there is this fear about dancing in public and it's so, mm. like, understandable. Like, it is a weird thing to just move your body in front of others. And even I was actually talking with a friend yesterday that I, I actually danced more than I did when I was drinking. I was always a person that would sit at the bar or watch live music or have a bit of yep. a boogie, but that wasn't part of really my night of drinking. It wasn't something that really interests me. I grew up doing a lot of dancing. So to go out and, like, Free dance is a weird concept to me. I'm like, no, it has yep. to be steps and counting yep. yourself in, which is really weird. But now that I'm sober and going out, like it's not every time I go out, but there'll be nights where I'm like, girls, I'm bringing my low heels, we're going to dance yeah. and it's going to be like so fun. And I like, I'll drag them out to like my favourite R&B club that plays like the best music. I can just dance for a few hours and I can just mm. shake my keys and just slowly back away yep. and be yep. done. <laughs> I love that. Well, you'll have to give NLNL a go. Yes. Now I wanted to get on to really the main topic of today's combo, which is dating. So you have you done a fair bit of sober dating? I've done a little bit. So over the last six months, I've started dating. So yeah, I went through the breakup just sort of like middle of isolation last year. And yes, I've been dating for about the last six months. First time sober dating and going through all of that. So let's hear the, the highs and the lows. <laughs> okay. I've, got, go a, I've got a few as well. All right. So we've got a few. I think we'll start with my first one, my first sober date. And we met at Eastern Beach, which is my favorite spot in the world. And I think that's a really important tip with sober dating is go somewhere where you're comfortable. Like, you know how to order a coffee there and you know what the menu's like. I think that's so just, true. Good tip. Just make, make it easy for yourself. So I went down to the little cafe at Eastern Beach and ordered a coffee and the goal was we're going to go for a walk and if we feel really comfortable with each other, we end up going for a swim. So, you know, checking out the rigs on a first date is really interesting <laughs> one as well. Yeah, he'd just come from a fitness class. I was sort of in like cute active wear and it went really well. But I think that the reason it went really well was is we did an activity where you couldn't really drink. It was 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. So, you know, we went for a walk, went and sat down on the rocks and, and watched the waves and the boats come in and it was really lovely and, and the convo flowed really well. And then we ended up, yeah, jumping in my bikini and, and swimming with this guy and it was a really good date. Didn't end up working out because a little bit of a racist, but that's fine. Oh, we'll move on from that. I know, oh. it's so much fun. Dating's great. Yep. And then I'm happy to go to a bar for a first date. Like being at a bar isn't a trigger for me um, in that sense at all to drink or anything like that. And I've had a I had a first date with this guy and he was drinking pints of beer mm-hmm. and I was having like a soft drink and, and he went to get another round. And I think because 
he was ordering pints. He thought he should order me a pint. So he got me a pint of um, Coke Zero. And a pint is massive. <laughs> and I don't know anyone who could drink a pint of soft drink. Like, and it was the date was going really poorly and – my brother actually had a car emergency, so I got to escape the date. Okay. It was, like it was a true emergency. It was just like the universe had lined. I could escape this date. So it was, yep. that was really good. But, yeah, so after my brother had said, yep, I need your help, he'd gone to go get me this, you know, 10 litres of soft drink. And when once he brought it back to the table, I was like, hey, like I've got to go, but I'll finish the drink with you. Like I'll be polite and finish a drink. And um, we were sitting there and I'm like, I've got this straw and I'm sculling this soft drink, but I'm getting like a brain freeze and I couldn't oh, no. drink it anymore. And the conversation was getting more awkward and I was getting uncomfortable and he knew I wanted to leave. And yeah, I got like like halfway through this pint of Coke Zero and I was like, I'm sorry, like I can't finish this. I need to go help my brother. And like, he's like, I'll walk you to your car. And then I made an excuse to go to Dan Murphy's because it was right behind the bar we're at. So he had to go to his car and he didn't have to walk me to the car and I didn't okay. have to pretend or yep. like hug or kiss or anything oh, like that. Oh, some so, of those endings. Yeah. Yeah. So as a sober person, I made the excuse of going to Dan Murphy's after <laughs> a date. Like, there has been a few. It's more the fact that I found with dating is. People don't know how to treat me when I'm sober. And the thing that I'm working through at the moment is that it's a lot in regards to the stigma that we have around people going sober. Like you've got that stigma attached that you're not fun and you're boring and and that's incorrect, obviously. Um, But then there's also that stigma around the term alcoholic. So when I'm messaging people on dating apps, you know, we can talk through whether, you know, later on if you want to talk about whether I'd say that I'm sober or not. But at the moment I don't have that on my profile. But what I would say when I'm talking to someone and we're organising a date and if we're going to a bar, I'm like, hey, just letting you know I don't drink. And I leave it as that. And if they're cool with it, we have that first date. And, and what happened with the guy that I've recently been dating, we, we um, I broke up with him about two weeks ago on our first date. I went to my favourite bar, so that's where I feel most comfortable, and I mm-hmm. ordered a mocktail. And the waiter looked at him and was like, you know, what would you like to drink? He's like, oh, I'll just stick to waters. And the waiter left and I was like, hey, like, just letting you know that you can drink. Like, it doesn't trigger me. Like, it's it's a non-issue. I don't – no judgments. All good. So I ended up ordering a cider. And when we were talking about it, he was like, hey, like, I didn't mean to be weird. It's just that I don't know the reason why you went sober. And I don't know what sort of life you had led before you'd given up and things like that. You know, people don't know that I've given up for my mental health because mm. I couldn't handle the anxiety. You know, people think the worst, that, you know, you lost your job or yeah. drunk drive yeah. and crashed or something terrible. People automatically go to the negative and that's something now that I'm, I'm taking on board when I'm meeting new people is that I want to get my story out straight away and that's because I do feel comfortable telling my story. Yeah. But I want to make them feel comfortable and be like, hey, there's no judgments whether you want to drink or not. It's just this is purely a decision that I've made for myself. And that's yep. as simple as it is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's um a really interesting experience. I like to do like a vibe check. So before I like yeah. commit to longer dates, because I don't like getting stuck on dinners and long yeah. dates. That's my rule. First date is never a dinner. Yes. Ever because you get stuck. I did break that rule for him though, so it didn't work out. But usually... (laughs) Most dates I go on is like 
get a coffee or go for a walk, yeah. like grab coffees and do a quick walk. And then if it's going well, extend it. Yeah, absolutely. Weirdly, I had a guy, we were chatting on Bumble. We were doing like voice memos so you could hear the voice. And so you could oh, kind of so like, cute. and he, and he's like, oh, what are you doing today? And I was like, I've got to go to Bunnings and get some plants. And he was like, oh, I like live near Bunnings. I'll come say hi. So he came to Bunnings and it was just good because you could do a vibe check yeah. without having to commit to anything else except walking around that. Bunnings. Yeah, yeah. That, I love that so much. I, I've got a good Bunnings date story actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm bisexual and I, I've gone on a date with this girl and we'd gone out for lunch and I didn't kiss her at the end of the date because I got too nervous. And I, I sent her a message straight. I was like, I wish I kissed you. And she was like, oh, I'm at Bunnings. Do you want to come to Bunnings? Oh. So we went to Bunnings together and then we're like in the car park at Bunnings and we made out. And I was like, this is the most <gasps> lesbian stereotypical first kiss of these two lesbians like kissing in a car park. Yeah. So. Oh. oh my God. I can't believe someone else has a Bunnings story. I know. I think Bunnings is the way to go. That's our tip. Yeah. Go on dates at Bunnings. <laughs> and very quickly, just before we finish up, tell me about your community sober mates. Yes, of course. So it is my passion project and my baby, but SoMates is an online community where we create educational resources to help you explore your relationship in a positive light. So what I believe is that if you talk about exploring a relationship positively, that it's going to be more engaging. So we create really bright infographics and, and things that you can read while scrolling Instagram and we don't mind whether you're still drinking or not. It's just as long as you're willing to explore and, and you know, start your sober curious journey. Amazing. Well, thank you yes. so much for joining me. I can't wait to come to this. What was oh, it? Ice I'm baths. So and then we can actually meet IRL. That'll be really yes, fun. I would love that. Thank you so much <laughs> for having right, me. Thank you. Outro. So. So Linda. So Linda, what? <laughs> so Linda, you seem to always forget it. Go on. What do you think? Yes, interesting. I think your own 2021 non-drinking journey has seen you so much more energetic and on this natural high. Sometimes yes. to the point that you are absolutely exhausting me, but that's all good. <laughs> but whilst sort of looking at this issue. Have you heard of meatmindful.com? No, I haven't. Okay, interesting. So just when I was on the internet, I came across that. It's a dating app for people who keep their lives mindful and mm. high vibe. And this is what the website says. At Meet Mindful, you'll find a team of kombucha makers, meditators, cyclists, yogis, crossfitters, design thinkers, a few furry friends and more. We're all about creating an authentic, collaborative environment and deep down we know we're in this world to make a difference. So even though it's an international site, I thought you should check it out. What do you reckon? I'm actually signing up right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? How did I find this and you don't know about it? I don't. It? No, but I wonder mm. whether they've got people in Australia. I have seen reviews that it's international and then, you know, maybe not a heap of Australians are on there, but have a look. I have an idea for a dating app, actually. Well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I had, if you flake or if you cancel, you're kicked off the dating app. It's only for people that are serious oh. about dating. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> and then you know what? All the fuck boys and fuck girls can go off to Tinder, Bumble and Hinge and they can just flake on each other there. And then mm. on this dating app that we'll create, it's only for people serious about actually dating and going on a date. Many, many years ago we had someone working for us who went on RSVP and ended up meeting. We went to their wedding meeting, his wife. They've had kids. They're very happy. Is RSVP still a thing? Oh, I don't actually know. And then just Oh, my on- God, just really, really quickly, I'm just signing up for this thing, Meet Mindful. Okay, the first question is my mantra. <laughs> oh, no, it smelt very much of you, the whole thing. <laughs> oh, what would my mantra be? Mm, I think I do have a mantra. This is actually – I was screenshotting quotes on my phone just before – as a well-spent day brings happy sleep, so life well used brings happy death. Oh, <laughs> oh I don't think so. <laughs> so getting back to the episode, I wondered what other options could you use to kill the nerves without sculling a wine? We've all done yes. that before going on a first date or I was thinking even going to a party on your own. So these are my thoughts. Let me know if you've okay. ever done Number one, don't, and I think you are guilty of this, don't tell too many people you're going on a first date because that's going to put too much pressure on yourself. If you need someone to calm yourself down, phone mum. Oh, that's a good one. Mm. I like that. Mm. I do that in all aspects of my life, not just first dates. But don't you think sometimes you tell people you're going on a first date? And yeah, make a big deal yeah, of it. Yeah. yeah, so don't yeah. do that. Number two, lie down for five minutes and do some deep breathing. <laughs> you love your deep breathing, Linda. <laughs> I can I've tell never you. Even, so I've never seen mum ever do deep breathing. But I can tell you I, <laughs> I'm recommending it. I've never done it. But <laughs> number three. Bill Clinton should have done that, remember? Deep breathing. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Number three, I absolutely recommend this put on some music and have a dance yeah i agree with that i've done that yeah yes number four get yourself to the meeting place yourself make it somewhere familiar yes familiar the menu before you go yes and work out how you're going to get there i agree that going somewhere familiar does reduce nerves so if i go to some random coffee shop i'm like I I don't know where to order. Like I hate going to random places. Yes. It's better to go somewhere that you feel comfortable. Agree with that. Number five, have an exit plan in case you need one. And a little tip for you, Hannah, don't park down a dark street away from oh. where you're going if it's at night because that makes yes. your exit plan a little scary, huh? Yep, yep, that's happened to me. And final points, You are going into this state as yourself, so it is okay to leave by yourself. So it's fine to pay your own bill and go home if you're not feeling it. Linda, you actually on first dates, you used to go (laughs) rounds, right? Yes, always. Ahead of your time. Yes. And if it hasn't gone well, you have to remember that nothing is ruined. And if it does, great. Nothing extreme has to happen the first time you meet. So it's all about lessening the pressure on yourself. Agree. So they're my top tips. So I agree with all of them, all good tips. My main tip is that I think the best thing to say to myself is, I'm never going to see this person again, so it doesn't matter. Because like the first date is just a meet and greet to see if there's any spark it's not 
okay, this is the guy, this is going to end in marriage, whatever. It's literally like a meet and greet and on the balance of probabilities based on my past experience, <laughs> I'll never see them again. Oh, I may not ever hear from them again. Don't <laughs> or I, give. Or I, yeah. Go on, go on. I just never have chemistry with anyone. I think Please don't give up hope, <sighs> Hannah. There is someone out there. I'm having a bad week, aren't I? <laughs> Well, that's it for this week. Next week's actually going to be our live show, which it'll just be a solo episode and it will be all about flaking. Linda, I've decided you need to come. I'm going to rant, so you're going to have to come up with a safe word to stop me from ranting. A safe word. Okay. I'll tell you one thing I've done is yesterday I went and got my new SNS and it's the same colour as the T-shirt. Oh, I love that for you. (laughs) I'm getting ready. (laughs) I love that. Okay. I'm going to do purple eyeshadow. So same, I'm same. Co- yeah. No, you can't copy. You can't have the same. Hannah, you're <laughs> copying me. I've got the purple eyeshadow. That's true. That's true. All right, everyone. We'll see you next week. See you live. Bye. If you made it this far, I'm hoping that you enjoyed the podcast. If you could subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review, that would be much appreciated. It really helps other people find the podcast. Not that I'm desperate or anything. See you next week.